word means something different probably to all of us in this room, but what we are gonna be focusing on today are our community groups, our military, our 50 plus, and our restoration uh, groups uh, and community here at New Life Church. I am Yvette Mar. I'm on staff here, one of the executive pastors, and I have the privilege of serving in our 50 plus group. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Um, I have um, some other areas of interest here at New Life, but for today's conversation, it's going to be really targeting that 50 plus. And then we're all going to talk a little bit about our military uh, and how each one of us sort of weaves that. And then Jeremiah Parks. That's, yes, we've got all kind of, look, we've got, there's some new lifers in the room here. We could draft pick and say, okay, all of you can join us. But we, we want to hit the topics that we feel like that you are probably experiencing walking through at your church. And uh, again, just have honest dialogue. Here's just a couple of ground rules because we are recording each of these sessions. We're going to ask you if you do have questions, let me get to you with a microphone. We'll drop this down floor level and say, please come up and ask your question on the mic, just so we can make sure that we capture that. But Jeremiah Parks is joining us. Jeremiah is over our uh, section communities, and he's going to be explaining what that means. It's, uh, it's pretty self-explanatory until he starts talking, and then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's very exciting. And Jeff Kazira, Jeff Kazira is on staff here as well at New Life Church, and he is over our restoration. So Without further ado, let's open up in prayer and let's get started. Heavenly Father, we, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, into our presence right now, Father. We thank you and we praise you that we can come together, the body of believers, to seek first your kingdom, your kingdom purposes, Lord. Here, as we are walking out our various roles in our churches, in our congregations, Lord, in our community, Lord, we just ask you to highlight things for us today, make our time just wise and useful, and bring, Father, your word to this body. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask uh, Jeff Kazira to kick us off with restoration and um, talk a little bit about what that is. He's setting his timer because he knows I have like a whoosh, whoosh, like a, there you go. And Jeff Kazira, take it away. church long before I came on staff here. I was in the military. That's my military portion of, the, of this talk right here. I spent 20 years um, at the, in the Air Force, and I spent nine years across the street at the Air Force Academy teaching. So it was a wonderful transition to be able to move on this side of the highway and really go into what I felt God was calling me to. And when I got here, I started in groups ministry, and then there was an opportunity, which was a huge blessing in my life, to start moving in a direction that I really had a heart and a passion for. And I know that doesn't always happen for people in their lives to be able to make those kind of lateral transitions. And so I was going back to school at Denver Seminary. I was going in their counseling program, and I just recently, after four and a half years of a very intense program with practicums and internships, I graduated from Denver Seminary with a master's in counseling. So here's where my cry was, though. From the very first week that I came on staff here, and they put pastor on the door, 
I started seeing people with a lot of issues. And they thought I was the expert because I'm a pastor. And I remember crying out to God in so many of those sessions. And it was a come Holy Spirit because there is this is so overwhelming for me that I started having a passion and a prayer that went something like this. Lord, help me to be a pastor who counsels effectively. And I don't think, at least from what my experience has been, is that we come into this role as gifted in counseling other than let's go to the word of God, which is good counsel, of course. But that's not exclusively everything for people. And so um, I started finding out going to seminary was very helpful for me to integrate the aspects of where people are broken and then how that could play into a ministry in the local church. So the opportunity to start Restoration Ministries at our church, which we now just call Restoration, and I'm getting used to that myself, is that, um, and I've got a few notes here because I know if these 12 minutes go by so fast. Wow, I'm already that far along. So let me just... Oh, thank you. So here's my one pager, because in the military, you always have a one pager for the people you're speaking to. It might be 12 pages worth of information, but I'm going to get through one page with you. So I do want you to know that restoration is a spirit-led ministry, because what I found at Denver Seminary, what I find in the community is that there's a lot of good understanding of how the mind works of how trauma and addictions and different things go on in the lives of people. But what I love is that we help position broken people for the healing presence of Jesus Christ. Now, broken people, for some people, when they hear that, they go, oh, it's those people you're talking about. Well, here's the good news. We're all on an even playing field. We are all broken. Is there anyone amongst us who isn't broken enough that needs the love and acceptance of Jesus Christ in this room? Because we all have areas of our life where the Lord is saying, I want to bring uh, the rupture that you've had, just living life long enough, I want to bring rupture with repair. And so that's what we do uh, in Restoration Ministries. We start a funnel, if you will, of opportunities, of access points for people to come and be part of community in a way that brings about greater healing on their journey to having empowered living. Because that's what Jesus said he came for, so that we would have life, life to the full. And for some people, they're still trying to figure out what, is it, what exactly is life to the full. And so we, our byline in restoration is healing hearts, empowering lives. And there's an order to that intentionally on our byline. Because a lot of people are trying to do more things to show, like Brady was saying this morning, about why are we so busy? What, what is that really doing for us to stay busy? Well, for some of us, we're saying, well, that shows that I'm really important, that I'm you know, doing something of significance here. And inside, for many of us, we're coming out of a place of such brokenness and not rest that we're trying to do these things. And so I love his, you know, people will cheer us right over the edge unless we find a place of rest. Um, three times a year, we offer what's called Kairos. Now, Kairos is heard in a lot of different contexts in a lot of different ways, but the Kairos that we're talking about, we actually got from Brady's Old Church Gateway in uh, South Lake, Texas. And I went down there a couple years ago, and I watched 800 people in a room 
uh, corporately in an inner healing workshop from 19 different countries. And I was floored by it. I was amazed over three days of what was accomplished transformationally for people. So I came back and I came in with my notebook. I was all excited to tell Brady the good news, what I found out at, at Gateway. And he said um, these words that were so healing for me. Because already that's my heart's desire is to see the things I was witnessing be brought to a place like New Life Church that understands pain and wounding, just like every other church understands it because it's part of the common denominator. So I came in with my notebook from Gateway and I said, Brady, this was amazing. He goes, oh yeah, I know. It's probably the best discipleship model I've ever seen. And I've waited five years to see it come to New Life Church. And that taught me something about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our senior pastor. He was patient. He was waiting for the Lord to bring it. Now, whatever size church, wherever you are, there's a real message in that, that there's a time and a season that God wants to start doing some things that are near and dear to his heart. Salvation, deliverance, healing, those aspects of what it means to be a Christ follower and how it's different than what the world has to offer. So we started with Kairos. We've done it three times. We'll be doing it a third time this year. We'll do it again three times next year. And some of the topics that we are doing for November's Kairos is being fully alive to kick us off. By the way, the way that Kairos works for us, we kind of break it down, if you want, if you will, kind of a th in thirds, a third of worship, because there's so much that goes into worship. A third of teaching for the left brain. But, you know, we're so in the Western world especially, and in church, we always want the next three points, right? Give us the next three points. Give us the next three th things on the list to master. And what I've come to find out in my own walk with Christ is the mystery of it all. Not the mastery of it, but we're still trying to get the mastery. So with that, we do a third of the teachings because you know it does have to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It has to make sense. But we don't have to stay there. I can keep reading the book Experiencing God, or I can actually experience God. And that takes more than an intellectual pursuit, just more than activating uh, my left side of my brain. God created the whole brain. So we do experientials as a third of our workshop as well. By the way, you're all invited. If you'd like to come to the November Kairos on November 7 and 8, please consider it. It's a free weekend here at New Life Church. We do it Friday night and all day Saturday. And our topics will include being fully alive. What does it exactly mean to be fully alive? So we kick it off with that. We actually kick it off with worship. And then we do that. And then we do identity and blessing because those are two powerful ingredients. Understanding who we are and whose we are and the blessing that comes with that. And again, these aren't just teaching and take a lot of notes. This is experiencing all these aspects that we're talking about. So we have ministry teams. It's voluntary. People can go up or do as much or as little as they want. We have worship stations. We're even having an artist on site for this particular uh, Kairos. She has done this for like, a half, like half a century. God gave her this gift as a little 11-year-old girl, and she's approaching 60 now. And so she goes to churches and just starts painting and starts doing what God's inspiring her with, the Spirit of God. And people look, and they come up, and they're moved by the, 
depth of and how God does that, it's a mystery. I can't explain it. All I know is it's getting them closer to God instead of drawing them away in, in the pursuit of other things. I'll discuss the stages of healing. The way we do it within restoration is um, formational prayer. We, we, we receive that from a very gifted man who's been a coach, who's been a friend. His name is Dr. Terry Wardle. He's at Ashland Theological Seminary. He heads up a doctoral program in Ohio, and he has a healing care ministry and inner healing. And when I met him a couple years ago, I was going down the path at Denver Seminary to say, we're going to start a restoration uh, ministry at our church, but I was following a very clinical approach to it. I even went to another church in Aurora up in Denver, and I was go every other week for three hours with about five people from our church, kind of like a, a recon team to kind of figure out how can this be done, and what I kept seeing was a very clinical approach to it and very, very limited access to the Holy Spirit, and I said, within a local church context, he's the best thing we've got. So by meeting Dr. Terry Wardle, after 10 minutes of listening to him, I said, that's it. So our model of care is formational prayer. We train and teach up people within uh, the context of a school of formational prayer that we just started this month. We have 47 students. I had enough faith last year to tell uh, our executive team that I think we can get 40 people in this school. So I didn't have enough faith. God was even greater than the faith that I exhibited. So we're excited about 47 people. To finish the, so we do stages of healing, and I'll explain to people who come on that weekend how we do the model of care within formational prayer. So that after that weekend, if people need individual continuing, uh, continuing help on their journey, that they won't hear a new vocabulary when they show up for weekly sessions. So on Thursday nights here, that's what we do. We have a team. Uh, with restoration that helps people walk through some of the tough spots in their life to be able to position them for what only Christ can give, his healing presence, his transformational words. We'll talk at Kairos of core longings versus core woundings. We all have both. And a lot of that is so beneath the surface that we simply deal with the dysfunctional behavior above the surface. And we say, stop doing that. There's a good clip on YouTube if you ever want to watch Bob Newhart do Stop It Counseling. That's his. But, you know, we in the church, we kind of say the same thing oftentimes. Stop it. Just stop doing that. That's how you get out of the ditch. And I get behavior modification. I understand cognitive behavioral therapy. I took my classes. I participated. But there's something beneath the waterline that God wants to get to. And it eventually ends up with core woundings that he wants to bring his truth and acceptance that changes everything for people, for sustained healing and empowered living. Thanks. He is, by the way, you're going to love hearing from Jeremiah. He is such an advocate for what we're doing in Restoration Ministries, and I think that's another aspect of ministry, is that you cheer each other on in ministry and not to compete against one another because we're all on the same team, which is why I love a leadership conference like this. It's like we're all coming together and we're gleaning from each other. When I'm sitting in the hall, I wanna hear the things that God's doing in your life. And when I was sitting with Tom, I'm hearing what God's doing in his life because we're all part of something that God's doing that's so special that the whole world is waiting for to hear it, even when they're not asking for it necessarily. We do a, we do a whole session on forgiveness. 
and how shame and guilt play into that and how grace and forgiveness overcome it. So again, these are all experiential based too. So it's not just hearing and taking a lot of notes. It's God showing up and doing some mighty things here. We do inner vows and judgments. A lot of that comes out of false beliefs that we've bought into along the way that the enemy continually whispers in. And again, Christ has a redeeming message for that. And then we talk about uh, mother-father wounds, which by the way, I don't know about you, but I got them. And I'm a father, and I know I've wounded my children along the way. And so there's power in understanding how we can actually deal with some of those things. And we have to move backwards sometimes to go forward. And I don't know about any other drivers in the room, but I hate going backwards. <laughs> I mean it. I get on the road, and I'm like looking at my gas tank, and I go, I know I can make that next gas station. And then my wife gets a little kind of like, Jeff, we're really pushing it here. <laughs> But if I go by the exit, there's something in me that absolutely does not want to go back, even if I have to do a U-turn and know I can <laughs> securely get to that last gas station. And yet in our healing process, oftentimes we do have to go back in order to move forward. So I invite you to Kairos. Once a year, I mentioned we do the four-day formational prayer seminar. Mark it on your calendars if you want to come next year, September 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th. So if you want to do a seminar right before the week of the leadership conference and you want to come for an extended stay in Colorado, uh, there isn't a better place to come. Now, what does that mean for you? Be open to what the Spirit of God is revealing for your congregation. Bob Hamp, who was the head of Freedom Ministries at Gateway Church, came up here to help us launch this a couple years ago, this Kairos weekend. And these were his words to me. Jeff, don't make this a gateway thing. Whatever God's doing here, you start taking the bits that we handed you off and release those and start what God's doing. And that's what we've been doing with formational prayer. We've been integrating more of the ingredients of what we're already doing every week into our weekend. And I would encourage any of you to start small with what God has already given you within your reach. There, you know, it amazes me the incredible people that are the church that find themselves at New Life every Sunday morning. And I look into the faces of these people and see the giftings that God has given them. And I'm so grateful that we're part of something that God's saying, I'm already putting resources within your reach. The answer is within your reach. And we say theologically, yeah, you're within our reach. Yeah, you abide in, inside. Yeah, and we're within our reach this way too. So look within your own context of what God's doing, because he wants to bring healing. And the one thing I love about Pastor Brady is that he is all about taking the mask off, because on Sunday mornings, we say things that I thought were found on the other side of the highway at the Air Force Academy. When I used to go up to cadets as an officer, and I would say, how are you doing today? Whenever I heard this answer, outstanding, sir. <laughs> Do you know what that meant to me? absolutely nothing. When I hear people in church who just flippantly say, blessed and highly favored, I just want to stop them and say, you know, that sounds just like outstanding to me. 
can we just be real for a minute? Or living the dream. I think in restoration, what we find is God loves when we're real, when we're vulnerable with each other. His invitation is, come away with me and let me give you rest. It's an invitation to be real. And he doesn't, de- he doesn't meet us in our false self. He wants to get to the core of who he created us to be. And restoration offers people that opportunity to come, to hear their story, to position them, to be able to, to receive what the Lord wants them to hear from him. One word from, one word from the Lord trumps a thousand from the smartest people around me. I just got, by the way, oh my Lord, I have two and a half minutes because I've been very generously given 20 minutes today. Um, I was given an opportunity to go away for a whole week to Whidbey Island. Thank you, Dave, for approving my going away. (laughs) Dave is my oversight pastor and a dear friend who loves me. And uh, I just said, I need to get away. And my life gets kind of ramped up with school informational prayer, and we're supposed to not be addicted to busy. So uh, I'm trying to detox from, from this lifestyle. And I get a sabbatical next year, by the way, so I've been waiting for my seventh year to arrive, and so I'm excited about next year. But when I went away, I started just listening to praise and worship on Whidbey Island outside of Seattle at a couple's ranch that they opened their home and their heart to me just to come by myself. Can you imagine having permission to go away for a whole week from my wife by myself? (laughs) And in that, I remember listening to Carrie Job. I don't know if any of you know who that is. She's probably pretty uh, popular. Um, But it was called Majestic was the CD. And track number nine was I Am Not Alone. I Am Not Alone. And I kept playing that over and over again. After a week of silence and solitude and getting away from the life, I came back to New Life Church on Sunday morning, and I love this place. I love the people of this church. But it was ramped up for me. It was, is this how it feels every Sunday morning for anybody who walks into a church of many thousands, and we got the volume up, people are like all over the place? I was used to, for seven days, being alone and quiet. And then for communion, because the Lord is so kind to me, but we've got to see this with spiritual eyes and ears. The communion song, when I'm with a communion of thousands and still kind of shaken by coming back into this world, they played, I am not alone. And do you know what the Lord did in that moment for me? He took me back experientially, episodically, back to a deck on Whidbey Island where I was all by myself blasting that song over 29 acres in front of me where I could not see a single person And he took me back to that moment. So in a communion of thousands, he was giving me a communion of one all over again with this promise. You do not have to go to Whidbey Island to get it. So when you're here this week, I'm praying that God gives you creative ideas to be able to receive what he wants you to get here. That you came anticipating and expecting and hoping that God would show up and deliver on his promise to live life to the full. And what you're hearing in message after message is the same thing I'm hearing. It's a promise. If we'll just say, the answer is within my reach. God bless you, everybody. Amen. It's good. It's good. good.
our um, intentions today is, again, to stir up in you and to think either what are we currently doing in reaching out to those various demographics in our church? How are we connecting the dots? How are we connecting? What is the thread? And we know that the Lord is the thread. We know that. But how are we being intentional in our responsibilities and in our church community and then each as individuals? So thank you. I love that. Such Jeff's paints such great word pictures for me. I'm on Woodby Island with him. Um, I, I have the privilege of serving, like I said, in the 50 plus, we call it 50 plus life. And life is an acronym that stands for living in full expectation of all that God has planned. And I have just been thrilled to step into this role. And this has been my goal and my intent and my prayer. And that is to be a bridge builder. Uh, those of us who are 50 plus, we understand that hindsight being 2020, we, I always say my wrinkles tell a story. I've got a, I'll never get a facelift because every one of these on my face has got a story attached to it. And by the power of the blood and the word of the testimony, I can share a little bit of life with you. But I truly believe that that, I look at Dave Grothy, our, our hair, our silver hair is splendor. We have walked this earth. We have walked our lives. We have walked through experiences in our marriages, in our homes, in our families, in our churches that give us and allows us the wisdom to be able to build that bridge back to this next generation. But if we're not intentional, it won't happen. Here's a myth. I'm a myth buster. Here's a myth. The younger generation, the new marrieds and younger men and younger women of our church don't want to hear from us gray hairs. Myth. That is, that is not true. That is not true. And vice versa. Those of us who are 50 plus feel like, ah, what do I have to contribute? You know, I got, I got a bunch of failures. Amen. Preach. None but one was perfect. And so what are we able to do to intentionally build that bridge between our generations and have intergenerational gatherings and opportunities and mentoring opportunities? And so in 50 Plus Life here at New Life, we do, um, we do monthly workshops, and I arrange for speakers to come in, and we cover every kind of topic you can think of. We've had everything from how to build a budget and manage a budget. We've had how to organize your home, your office, your, your life. We have had planning your home going from a legal, medical, and, and service plan for your home going, for you, yourself, or your family. We cover a variety of topics, but we try to have a workshop that is on the educational track. And then we try to have various social events throughout the year. Again, just, just so we can fellowship, just so that we can get together and share in each other's lives. And then we've had various forms of mentoring, whether it's the, I, I don't dare say older, I use the word seasoned, for our seasoned men to walk with our, our young men, these young dads, these young husbands and young men of God, our seasoned women, Titus 2, 3 through 5 tells us we are to teach, we are to teach the younger women. 
And we carry over those and we try to do those areas with great intentionality and arrange for those. And then we have had what we call life on life. We don't have any going right now, but we had them uh, in a prior semester here at New Life called Life on Life. And it's where we take four or five couples, seasoned couples, and we pair them up with new, younger couples uh, to be able to meet for maybe six weeks in someone's home. Because where do we love to meet? We love to meet in someone's home, and we love to be in the kitchen, and we love to be cooking. And Pastor Dave Grothy and his wife, Becky, were fabulous to host uh, one of these life-on-life groups. And I know Dave whipped out, like, his famous chili and his various things. But, you know... That's what happens when we have that experiential gathering time together and we're cooking and we're we're just hanging out together in our homes with life happening. And the topics that uh, Pastor Dave chose, they, they really went for marriage. They went for those marriage topics. So I want to encourage you as you're looking for different things. The, it's an abundance of opportunity to be able to do life-on-life groups and say, hey, this week, let's talk about the things that are just going on in the headlines. Let's take this week's headlines, let's pull them together, and let's sit in a group and say, okay, what does the Word of God say? How are we walking this out? What are we modeling? How are we mentoring? How are we bringing up that next generation? So 50-plus life, living in full expectation of all that God has planned. And I, I really want to encourage you in your churches as well to reach out to those who are 50-plus. There are so many lonely, hurting folks in our congregations that feel like they have nothing to contribute. They feel like either they have blown it or their season has passed, or they're just in that place. And I just look at them and say, oh, now's the time. You know, this second half, this next part of your life, let's make it to the full. Let's absolutely make it to the full. But if they don't have a place and an opportunity to plug in, and if we don't provide that place and opportunity to plug in, they will sit in isolation. There's story after story after story of folks who who have come that we've been able to interact with and say, my goodness, let's get you plugged in. Let's get you connected into a group of people. We have a little herd. I call them a little herd of folks on Sunday mornings that sit out in our foyer. And the music's a little loud for my 50-plus group, some of them. And so they sit out while worship's going on before they go in, and they just have coffee, and they have biscuits and gravy, and they sit and they connect. And there was a young gentleman, a young gentleman, he's 73. There's a young gentleman that came and... uh, his son had introduced me to him, and he said, my dad, uh, my mom has passed. He, he's alone. He's lonely. Uh, he has had a uh, lifetime of a Catholic upbringing, and so this is a little scary for him on multiple levels. Um, and we just need to get him connected. And so he came in, and I greeted him, and we walked around, and I said, now let me introduce you to this bunch over here. Now, these are great group guys. I said, there's only two criteria for you to be able to come in and connect with these guys. Uh, one, you have to be able to drink a lot of coffee. And two, you have to tell lies about fishing. I think that's the only two things that, you know, they, that's a criteria to join them. And he was able to get connected. He said, well, I can do both of those. I can lie about fishing and I can drink some coffee. And he was able to get connected. And I see him here and we know where he sits and we know his name and we know his story. And he's got a new purpose. He's got a new place to connect and a new place to contribute. So I get pretty excited about loving on and loving up and honoring, honoring those who are 50 plus in our congregation. But it takes some intentionality. Some of them are kind of crotchety and, you know, 
the, the church curmudgeon. I don't know if any of you ever follow him on Twitter. It's hysterical. But you know what? I think that's the greatest challenge is to bring someone from here and pull them on over into here where grace abounds and where connection and community serves where they are in their lives. So that's 50 plus. I'll talk briefly about our military connection. We are we are so blessed to have a retired colonel, Colin Willis, here on our staff. And Colin and his wife, Carla, um, have stepped into the role of welcoming and addressing and following with and connecting with our military families here in Colorado Springs. As you know, we're sort of the, goodness, we've got it all. We've got Air Force. We've got Army. We've got so many headquarters right here in Colorado Springs. And Colin and Carla have said, the dynamics of those families cannot just, we can't just pass by that as the church. We have to be very intentional about the uniqueness of men who are deployed or women who are deployed and they're coming back in and how that interrupts marriage and how that interrupts family and how they walk that out and how they reconnect and how they do this in community. And we want to be that community. We don't want to take the place of their military community. We want to add to that military community and say, you also have a church community. We want to pray over you. We want to pray for you. We want to show up while you're gone, daddies or mamas. We want to show up as your church and love on your family and be able to, to walk with you through that. So every Sunday at 1030 here from 1030 to 11, it's between services, we have a beautiful military prayer room that's over in our World Prayer Center. And Colin and Carla, um, they lead a prayer. And it's so beautiful. I would encourage you, if you get any time while you're on the campus uh, this weekend, to go into our military prayer room. Because what they have around the room are pictures of those who are deployed uh, from our church family. And they go picture by picture by picture. And they pray over everyone. They pray over those families. And they're able to just say, we're going to stand in the gap for you. You are so important to us. And so with our military ministry, we do outreaches. We try to do meals. We try to honor. We try to connect. And again, we try to pray. So that's a little bit about our military, our 50-plus life, our restoration. Hopefully what you're getting are some snapshots of people that are coming to your mind. Ours is the opportunity to prompt for you. Who's in your congregation? Who is maybe not being reached with intentionality, but what can we do leaving here that provides that intentionality to connect into community? So with that, I'm going to pitch it over to Jeremiah Parks. And here we go. Give me both of those mics. Well, you know, as we're talking about components of community, we're representing a few of those here, but there, there could be a long row of people here for this uh, breakout. We have uh, our marriage and family ministry, Pastor David Grothy back here, women's ministry, men's ministry, you know, the list goes on. And I think in all churches it's that way, right? We're, we're, we're trying to reach out to the dif different demographics of folks in our church, recognizing, like Yvette said, who is in our congregation that we can minister to, specifically meeting those specific needs. So one of the things that that we do here, that I do in, in my role at the church, is overseeing groups uh, and, and, and generally just how do we build community at New Life. So a big part of my goal is to help get people to Yvette 
and to Jeff and to uh, our men's ministry and women's ministry. And so I want to just highlight one idea real quick is that this, when we think about church, what we're doing when we come to church, when we come to worship God, what is the purpose and the intention uh, when we gather as believers that we connect with each other? And I think that an issue that we could have in a small church and we could have in a very large church like New Life is the idea that when we come together, it's about what's happening on the stage. It's about the message that we're hearing or that it's during that worship time, it's about what's happening right here between God and I. But sometimes I think we miss that it is, I would say, I think you could argue from Scripture that it is just as much when we come to church, it is just as much about what's happening between us as it is what's happening between us and God. So this idea of, of with one another, I, I recently I did a, a search in Scripture for, on those words, with one another. I encourage you to do that. Write that down if you're taking notes. With one another or just one another. The verses that will come up is a long list. There's several that say love one another. You know, that's, that one's over and over and over, which, I mean, we could stop right there, right? If we could just learn to love one another, boy, would that revolutionize the church. And if we could love one another in the church, what would happen in the world if we could figure out how to love each other just when we come into our own doors, right? That's why we need guys like Jeff who help people get healed so that we can love each other well, right? But love one another. It says, uh, Scripture says, to serve one another. It says to instruct one another, to show hospitality to one another. There you go. That doesn't really seem very spiritual, does it? But it is. When we show hospitality, that's like family, right? When you share a meal together, when you open up your home to somebody, uh, it says to be devoted to one another, to forgive one another. So yeah, we're going to make each other mad. We're going to offend each other sometimes. It's, an, it's just going to happen, right? There's no avoiding it unless we all put on our mask, and get, like Jeff was talking about, and we keep those masks on all the time, and we never offend each other. We just smile and say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Perfect. But if we take those masks off and we get into the mess, then inevitably we're going to hurt each other. So forgive one another. And then I love this one. Bear one another's burdens. And in doing so, fulfill the law of Christ. So the law of Christ, it's not a law of rule-keeping. Now it's a law of love, bearing one another's burdens. So as we do those things, how, how does that transform us? I, I think we have to be careful of not just creating programs for the sake of having programs. Well, okay, who's in our church that needs something? We need this and this and this. Let's make a program for it all. But remembering... We're not, it's not church if we're not connecting with each other. We're not growing in Christ if we're not growing with one another. I mean, John goes so far as to say that you're a liar if you say you love God, but you don't love your brother. Those are heavy words, right? He also says no one has ever seen God, and this is the disciple who Jesus loved, right? This is the one who he, he you know, others are doubting, but John is there from the beginning, yes, Jesus, you're the Messiah. He believes that Jesus is God in the flesh. And yet he writes later, after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, John writes, no one has ever seen God. But 
when we love one another, then his love is made perfect in us. In essence, I think what John is saying is, no one's ever seen God with their human physical eyes, but we see God when we love each other. We reflect the glory of God back to one another, right? It's, it's like Jesus saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he wants that to be true of us too. That, when, that we could say to each other as brothers and sisters and to the world, hey, when you've seen me, I'm not a perfect reflection of God, but I am a reflection. When you see me, you're seeing God. What, what did Jesus say? The world will know that you're my disciples by how good you can preach, how good the worship is at, when you gather together for church. No, he says, by your love for one another. So there must be something different about the way that we love each other as believers, that it would be so profound that it would cause people to say, that, that person must be a Christ follower. That person, remember that Jesus guy? This this. This person here, these people, they must be his disciples. So getting that part right is a big deal. The loving each other well. Um, Pastor Glenn Packiam, one of our pastors here, he has a, a great analogy that I love. Where he talks about church being like, a lot of times we treat church like a, like a gym membership. You know, some of you may belong to a gym where you go and work out. So you're there, and, and maybe it's crowded. There's lots of people around. And what you all have in common, the idea that we're here to improve ourselves, right? We're here to get better, to get healthier, to look better, to live longer. So we all have something in common that we're here for some good self-improvement. You're paying a membership to come to this gym. You're probably paying a little bit to go to the church, right? Hopefully you're giving. Uh, into, in, you know, when the bucket is passed, you're giving. And then we're looking to this instructor to help us and to make us better. If we make church like the gym, then we're missing it, right? Church is not like a gym. We don't come just for self-improvement. If we come expecting just self-improvement and we see each other as just, hey, good for you trying to get better, I'm doing the same thing, you know, and, and it's, it, it only goes that far, then we're missing out. It has to go deeper than that. It has to be uh, relationship. We are truly brothers and sisters. And if we don't get to that point, and, I, and you may be thinking, I already got the point, Jeremiah, go on, what's the next thing? But the, I, I harp on this because I think we miss it so often. Really, do we, do, if we really believe that we will know God better and love him better by loving each other, then I think we'd really pursue this in a big way. When Jesus says, what, hey, all, sheep and the goats, right? You all know the story. And you guys didn't help the weak. You didn't help those who were naked and hungry, and you didn't visit those in prison. I mean, he's saying all the, the broken, like Jeff said, we're all broken. I wonder if we all fit into that, into the story there where Jesus is describing these people. But to the others, to the sheep, he says, you did these things, and you did it unto me. So strong, the language here. He's not just saying, it's kind of like, now let me explain this to you guys. I really love those people, and so when you do that for them, you know, it's kind of like as if you were doing this to me. No, he says, you did it to me. And if you look at all those other scriptures, too, about loving each other, when we love each other, we are loving God. 
It's a big deal. And if we, if we try to skip over this, if we, if we act like the people just going to the gym, I'm showing up to church like, all right, it's been a rough week. I need to pick me up dose. I need, I need, it better be good today, pastor. I needed some encouragement. If we come with that mindset, we're missing out. What if we were to come to church and say, how can I be a blessing to somebody here today? Or how can I get equipped here today? Because isn't that what it's about? Isn't that the role of the, the staff of the church to equip the saints to go and do the work of ministry? What if I come today and get equipped so that I can go and make a difference as I become the image of Jesus to people at my work or in my family or in my neighborhood? So there's my preaching. Here's my just short practical. What I do is try to help people get connected into community when they show up on Sunday. So all of these different things that these guys have described and the other ones that aren't here to speak for their departments of ministry, those are all opportunities to build community in our church throughout the week. But a lot of our folks come in on Sunday morning, and that's, you know, for whatever reason, that's all they have time for. That's, or, or maybe they're not yet really bought into the idea that they should live life together with other believers or whatever. You know, we're addicted to busy, right? We're all addicted to busy. So there's a long list of reasons why we could come up with, well, I don't have time to go to the 50-plus thing or, I, you know, to whatever. So part of what I do is try to help uh, create ways that people can get connected when they show up to church because at least we all have that in common that we're coming to a service. So whether you're from a church of 100 people or 1,000 or 10,000 people, this idea is true for all of us that when we're together in a service, We've come together to worship the Lord. Now we want to help, help us all understand that we're also here to connect with each other. We're also here for this community dynamic. And we have to find a way to make that happen. So, so let me describe what it looks like in our context of thousands. And, and maybe something that I say, well, you can break that down and, and fit it to the size of your church. I was just talking with a couple of our pastors earlier today that have planted churches from out of new life and and you know they're not nearly the size of this campus but but what I'm about to share with you we were taking it and saying okay how does this work in the context of 750 members and how does this work in the context of a thousand so section community is something that we've started a few months back here at new life we're only doing it so far in a few sections but we're we're growing it to the whole church so it is literally sections that we have over here in our building on Sunday mornings. There's several seating sections, and we're splitting those sections up into communities where there's a, a leader and a team of people who their, their job, like let's say the, these seats right here, let's say you guys were a section, there would be a team. And no, you are the team. You guys are the team of this section. Your role when you show up to church is simply to love the people in this section and know them, get to know their names, their stories, uh, and, and make this a community. It's kind of a smaller church within the church. So uh, the, way, the way that works is it's, we say before, during, and after the service, look for opportunities to connect and, and build relationship. And then once a month, we do a potluck lunch after service. So everybody, just in that one section, they bring food, and they hang out after church, and they have lunch, and connect with each other, and that's where it really starts to become dynamic, because now you're, 
you're, you have some time. You know, food brings us together. And then when you're sitting and chatting, you're able to, hey, so tell me about yourself. And you're, and you're hearing a story. And then the beautiful thing is it's consistent. It keeps on happening because people sit in the same section. With that, before we even started this, people just sit in the same section, right? Think about when you go to church. You probably sit in the same area. You know that people in your church sit in the same area because we're just creatures of habit. Every now and then I meet someone who likes to bounce around, but that's rare. You know, I like to just see the stage from a different angle. So I sit here and then I go over here. But for the most part, people are in the same section. Then when you start creating intentionality and building relationship and building community, then it only adds to that purposefulness. Like, oh, this is my section. This is where I sit. This is where I belong. And so uh, once a month, we have lunch together after the service. So, so you can see how if you're a church of 300, still this can work, where create opportunities for people to be together and to connect when they come to church, when they're there in the service, catch them right then. And then as we do these lunches each month, then we're able to help push people towards further relationship, further community, further connection. So we say, guys, this is great that we're hanging out, we're having lunch, we're getting to know each other a little bit better. But hey, I wanted to let you know there's a men's retreat coming up. Hey, guys, get there to that men's retreat. Hey, we've got small groups coming. Or what's even better is we say, who in our section would like to lead a small group? And so we recruit people that way, and then once they get on board, then we're able to say, hey, everybody in our section here, everybody, you know, Joe and Sally and Bob and Sue, you guys stand up. Hey, these, are, these guys are all leading small groups right here in our section, so you should join one, get involved. So now instead of it being this disconnected, like there's just this website that has a list of small groups, now it's personal. It's like, oh, yeah, I've met, I met Joe. We were talking at the party last month when we had lunch together, and so it, it becomes a more natural, organic relationship piece. So, so our goal is really just to move people along the continuum of relationship. I really do believe that in small groups, uh, there's a component there that you just can't replace. You know, To sit down in someone's home with just a few people and to be able to really spill your guts and say, this is what I'm going through, or this is what I've been through, or this is what I'm dealing with, or even just to look at Scripture and to say, what does this verse mean? And let's really have some dialogue and talk through this. You can't do that in a large service. You can't do that in, in even some of the gatherings that, like, that these guys and other pastors represent, these more medium-sized gatherings. Which, by the way, a lot of our different ministries, like the 50 Plus and the Women's and Men's, they also have small groups. So, we, so we're always trying to move people into that smaller setting. So women's ministry gets together, and they've got hundreds of women that show up, and they're saying, okay, hey, ladies, remember, we have small groups too. So getting down into that. But I think, I think we all kind of understand the components of small groups, right? So I, that's why I'm not really talking too much about that, but... Uh, if you've never heard of small groups, it's where a few people get together and talk about Jesus and study the Word. You should check it out. So, so anyway, that section community, it, again, it's every week when people come together. How are we getting them connected and into relationship while we have them right there in front of us? How do we do that? Um, and our context might look different than yours, but something to take and, and noodle on and think about in, in your context what would that look like? How can you further uh, get people connected, get them talking, 
get them opening up the word, get them sharing food together uh, and going deeper in relationship with the Lord and with each other. Remember, it's, it's doing life with one another. And if, if we're not with one another, are we really having church? We have to ask that question. Is it really church if we're not connecting with each other? Yvette, I turn it back to you. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to take two minutes to explain what we do in two minutes. Um, in our service, right after worship, as we started talking about section community and how we could do exactly what I've been explaining here, we realized an issue that we have is we've, we have trained and conditioned our people to not connect with each other. And the way that we've done that is that right after worship, we would say, normally whoever's leading worship that day, Hey, everybody, we're glad you're here. Thank you for worshiping with us. If you're new, we have a reception for you over here after the service. For everybody else now, we're going to take the next 30 seconds, it was, and we want you to say hi to 15 people. Give, give hugs to as many people as you can. Good intention, right? Of course. But what would happen is be, we, we conditioned everyone in our church to understand that I've got, I've got about 30 seconds, I think, and, and the way that you cue that time as ending is we'd start playing our videos for announcements. So what would happen is people just turn around and go, hi, glad you're here. Hi, good to see you. Hi, how are you? Hello, how are you? Well, I, I started, once I started thinking about the section community and how can we create a connection point here, I actually tried to start asking people their names and having a conversation right there in that spot, and it, it most times wouldn't even work. Because <laughs> as soon as you start shaking someone's hand, they're already looking to the next person to shake their hand. Because we've just trained everyone, say hi to a bunch of people, and then sit down. So we, we weren't getting to know each other's names. We weren't hearing each other's stories. So we've extended that time to... Uh, two minutes, and we'll probably stretch it out a little bit further here soon. And instead of saying, instead of giving those instructions of turn around and say hi to as many people as you can, we're saying, have a conversation with somebody. You've got two minutes. You can learn a lot about a person in two minutes, believe it or not. And, and turn around and have that conversation. So it's, it's really been a unique shift for us there. And now when the video starts, you know, People won't shut up. They're talking. It's like, all right. that's a good problem to have, though. So as, as we create that intentionality around the room, like I, like I said earlier, we've started this section community idea at the church, but it's not, it's not fully uh, happening yet. So we only have some sections. But as all of our sections start to have this community idea, those two minutes become much more valuable. Because for some of our people, it's maybe still a little bit awkward, like, oh, I don't really know anyone around me, but now you're making me talk for two minutes instead of 30 seconds. I liked 30 seconds better. But once they start having those potluck lunches and they start getting to know some names, then it becomes uh, even more effective there. We want to open it up for questions. Um, if any of you have questions, Damon has a roving mic. He'll bring it to you, but we want to make sure we capture those. And if you don't ask the questions, I will start asking you questions. So just so you know, that's my disclaimer. So did this, all right, go ahead, and Damon will come to you. Um, on the restoration, is that Kairos a curriculum? So we did get 
a workbook and curriculum and some teachings from Gateway Church. And now, since we, they handed the baton to us, we've had enough time and enough evolution of it to be able to start doing it ourselves with what God's doing in this context. So is that curriculum a, a purchase in your bookstore here? Or? I never thought of how to make money off of it. That's oh. an awesome <laughs> idea. Um, well, how, how do we duplicate somewhat sure. uh, or at least use it as a foundation? That would be very easy to get you a copy of that, and you wouldn't even have to pay for it. Thank you. Yeah. Just, just let me know. On, the, on that same note, if because yeah. we just kind of started small groups at our church, and you know, I've just last week was our first meeting, and there are you know, I'm like, what if you come across people that need restoration in your small group, mm -hmm. you know, and you don't really have anything in the church set up for that? I mean, could you use that a little bit of you know the Kairos? Yeah, and and also listen, the best ideas that we've gotten is from other churches, so. I would always encourage people to take, I mean, are you here local or are you from a, what? Yeah, okay. That's pretty local for where you could become. Come on down and see it for a weekend, experience it for a weekend. And, and then take some of those ideas. And again, just starting small. The key word there is start. And it's just, God just puts these people in here because he's already given them the gift of being a caregiver. He, they already have this desire to see what you're doing and, and to be part of what you're doing and to bring healing to God's people and just to position them. And it's a real discipleship model. I loved, by the way, the best compliment for Bob Hamp at Gateway Church was when I told him that Brady, who'd only been there for like nine months before he came here, and they had started the Kairos there. When I said, Brady said, that's the best discipleship model he's ever seen. He goes, thank you so much. That's what we're trying to get across to people. This isn't about just for those people who are broken. This is a discipleship model for all of us. And so when we can take that stigma, if you will, off and say, hey, we're, I'm broken too. You know, I'm Jeff Kazara, I'm broken and I need Jesus. Is the idea that we're, we can get healing in all these different areas of our life. And then there are people like you who have a heart to even start raising up a team and recruiting at a level that, by the way, one of the things that Gateway pastors told me was this. Do not do too many of these right off the bat because that you will find the pressure to get more and more of these going, but really build up a team that is solid so you have strong ministry teams to be able to help people who are already going through their own healing journey, not to hurt them anymore. So you have to have really strong people on their own redemption, the redemptive side of their healing journey None of us arrive, but we are a little bit farther along. So start small, watch what God does when we break together, and watch him multiply it over time. A friend of mine told me this, the creator of eternity is never in a rush. We often are, though. Yeah. Question for your vet. Um, I, I actually, my pastor has asked me to teach on Titus 2 in a couple weeks, so you mentioned that and I laughed. Uh, and I was reading it on the plane on the way here, and I'm super excited about it. And then, uh, but my wife and I have been teaching a college class that's turned into a young marrieds class in our in our church. And there have been a couple of times when I've I've stopped and asked them, what what do you guys, what what do you see needs are in our church? And they're like, we want to connect with older people. I and so I affirm what you said there. I've I've been amazed across the board that they've been asking for this. 
and I have not done a very good job of it yet. I, lo- I love the life on life thing that you mentioned. I'm curious if there, there are other ideas of ways to, I, I think the older generations are wanting to connect with the younger, the younger are wanting to connect with the older and trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah. First, first thing, be, be intentional. It's not going to just happen. Life's too busy for it to just happen, being intentional. So, for example, some of our, our seasoned men with our young men and even younger, young the boys, to go out and do a service project together. Look for those opportunities locally in your community for places to connect. And then the same thing with women. How are ways uh, that we can pull together the generations and serve together? So serving together that's one place of just being intentional, and there are plenty of needs to be able to do that. So that's one. And then another is just, again, you create the setting, they build it, and they will come. <laughs> Creating that setting for them and saying, here's an opportunity to just come, and here's what we're going to do for the next four weeks or three weeks or just a, you know, a whatever, a hike. Find those areas of interests but invite multi-generational folks to come. If it's just geared for, hey, it's a 50-plus life barbecue, guess who's going to show up? Only the 50-plus folks. If you say, though, for our seasoned men, older men, and younger men to come together, we're going to do some things together. We're going to do either a project or we're going to study this or we're going to come together and learn that then by creating that and being intentional with it, I think just starts opening the door. And it really does create a buzz so that then everybody starts contributing and thinking, gosh, how can I do this better? Uh, There is a book called Apples of Gold that I used to use all the time uh, in Titus 2, 3 through 5. And it's taking six weeks to say, let's teach on hospitality, purity, kindness, submission, loving our husbands, loving our children. And really break that down. But we always started with cooking together. We cooked. We did a meal. Then the second hour, we got into that work study together. And then the third hour, we, we did what we call table talk. We eat what was prepared the first hour. But we're getting to the heart. And we had little table talk questions. And we just really went deeper. with. And that was for women with younger women. And we've done that here. We've spliced it and diced it every which way we can. Same could be true for men to do kind of the same thing. Maybe you don't want to cook together. Maybe you do. But to do a project together. Hey, for the next six weeks, we're going to take this out and we're going to learn how to change a tire, change the oil, you know, do, do the things that our younger men are not learning. You know, we're not teaching home ec in schools anymore. And our younger men are not learning how to just hang blinds. My goodness, these young men, you know, how, how can Siri hang the blinds? <laughs> Siri can do a lot of things. She cannot hang blinds. But our younger men are not learning that. And sadly, a lot of our, our dads are absent. They're not learning that. So men with men, oh, what a rich harvest. And women with women, it's just, it's endless. I, yeah, thank you guys for doing it, stepping into it. Other questions? So how do you mobilize your 50 plus? We, at relatively small church, great seasoned group who have no qualms about telling us what we're doing wrong, how we should be doing things, how we should be doing things differently. But when it comes down to us saying, that sounds great, help us. Oh no, I've served my time. How, how do you get them to 
cattle prod? I don't know. <laughs> no, sorry. I, you know what? That's, you, just, you just hit the nail on the head. That's, uh, I think you probably expressed a lot of what we have all either walked through or experienced in some way. And it is, that's a reality. It really is one of the things that we have faced. And here's the thing, keep hammering the nail. Something will strike. Something like I will full disclosure. I didn't want to do their social events. I thought, okay, be social on your own. This is church. All right, we're going to come here. We're going to learn together. We're going to do a lot of life things together. But if you want to, you know, whatever, go hike and fish and play cards or whatever you want to do, go do your social. But but we're going to have structure to the thing. Wrong. What I learned was they need the social in order to connect, in order to then motivate them to do the next step. So I had to re kind of come back around to that and say, mm, boy, missed that one totally. And that's where we started having the 50 plus life workshops every month to provide them just a learning environment to come in and connect. We have coffee and bagels every month. You can count on it from 9.30 to 11 on Saturdays. We're going to have a time of fellowship, but we're going to learn together. And in those environments, we're, we're learning and earning the right to be heard, to say, hey, next month we have a project, or next month we have this going on. How about if we all do this together? So keep at it. Stay on it. Pray through it. Find some of your change agents in that group that are your positive ones and say, I need you on my side. Like, I need you to help me. Be vulnerable. Be real, be raw with them, and be able to say to them, I need you to help me get the group going. Does that answer? Hopefully. Nice. My question is for uh, Jeremiah real quick. As far as connecting people, when, when people, part of your position is to get people connected, do you have an assimilation process for new guests and how you get them connected? Um, I'm just curious. I've been to Gateway. I've seen their, you know, their guest central and a lot of that different stuff. I've also been to Fellowship uh, down in Texas as well to uh, to look at that. So I was just wondering if you have a system of, you know, how how your points of contact work. That's a great question. Yes, on Sunday mornings we also have a guest central, um, and then once a month we do something called New Life Next, and so we regularly promote that at the church where we say, hey, if, if you're new to the church or you've been around for a while, but you, you want to just come and hear uh, from Pastor Brady. So he, he leads that meeting and just talks about kind of the big ideas of our church, how, how we're governed, what we believe, the different opportunities to connect. So at, when we do the New Life Next, all of our different ministries are represented. And so at the end of that meeting, then all, all of our guests there have the opportunity to go and connect with the different pastors and different areas that they want to get plugged into. So, and we encourage everyone serve. Sir, you can serve in any of these different ministries, uh, which are many of them are within the church. And then we have our our global department, which is like our missions, and then our local ministry that does outreach here in the city. And so, we encourage everyone to to get connected, to plug in, and to serve. What we're still learning right now is how that section community idea will will play a part in the assimilating and the connecting of new people. So in the sections where we've already launched that, it's been incredible to have people who are brand new to the church uh, who, for whatever reason, have just happened to sit in one of those sections, and it's been a phenomenal difference. Uh, because w with the church, the size 
I get plugged in? How do I fit in? Uh, but where we've started this section community, it's given us the opportunity for people right away. That we're getting stories now of, wow, I can't, I can't believe I get connected here so fast. Uh, I thought it would take me a long time. Or now I already know people right away. Because the church, for them, we just shrunk the church down to just one section. This is where you belong in this one section. And then from there, they get connected. So, so we still, when we, in those sections, we meet someone new. Someone from that section who's part of that team will say, hey, let me walk you over to Get Central. Come back here and get connected. So as we start growing that, um, we'll, we'll probably, in those sections, take on more of that, the ownership of like, okay, you're here at our church. Now we want to help you get plugged in. Can I piggyback another question off of that then? Um, when you get a new guest, let's say, and they do you have a contact card, connection card that they fill out, what is the assimilation process from there? Do you have a pastor call them within the week? Do they send out an email? Do you have a letter? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Tomorrow at... Uh, Two o'clock, all that process will be discussed in the Nuts and Bolts of Ministry workshop. But the contact item that comes from a guest card is then followed up immediately. They receive an invitation from the member and guest relations pastor to the dinner with Pastor Brady, the upcoming monthly dinner. And then possibly you want to talk about the dream team just a little bit which is what we call our volunteer. If anybody becomes a member and then wants to serve, there is a whole process of uh, volunteer application to be a member of the dream team, which serves in every area of the, of the church. But uh, following that, that initial contact, our staff then receives that week a contact item to follow up with a new guest or a potential new member. Answer the question? Good. And I'll, I'll stick around here if you want to chat more, or, or you can grab Pastor David as well. Guys, thank you for coming so much. I'm going to just close this in a prayer, and then uh, just to remind you, there's another set of breakout sessions starting here at about 3.30, uh, and so you could you know, make your way over to your next session. Lord, thank you so much for this time together. Lord, I pray it would be fruitful. Lord, that there would be seeds planted today that would uh, be able to produce fruit in every congregation that's represented here. And Lord, I thank you for our brothers and sisters that have joined us and pray that as this conference continues, they would be refreshed and re-energized, renewed, Lord. Uh, I pray re uh, refreshment for, for every one of our souls, Lord, as we're here. We love you. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.